All right, we are back. Another Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. And another loss. Close loss. This one hurt a little just because it's the Lions. They're like, come on. You don't want to lose to the Lions. But... Um, there were positives to take out of this game. Again, the the unfortunate major negative right now is the defense is bad, uh, very bad, to the point where a two-plus touchdown lead isn't enough. And um, that's going to be something that we will luckily have the funds and the draft picks to fix in the offseason. But right now we're just going to have to suffer through it and be excited to watch some of the other things that are happening. Um, the, the game to me was just so – it was like – it was weird because mm-hmm. I think I'm so used to watching a a defense like a good defense and even when we didn't have great defenses we still had ones that were like able to hold their own. Um I think this is one of the worst third down defenses I've seen the Bears at least have in a very long time. Yeah, I mean we've talked about it quite a bit but like the only time there's been a defense that's even been comparable to as bad as this with the freshman years or with the exception of that like the Bears defense has always been solid Mm -hmm. and so it's definitely a very new experience for all the Bears fans but like the offense it makes up for it a little bit yeah yeah and I I think that um there are pieces even on the defense that I like Justin Jones has been playing very well he's a guy that we've mentioned now a few times and another week he makes a play Jack Sanborn seasons here I guess that was a definite positive um it's uh, after losing Roquan, you definitely know there's going to be a little drop, but it almost didn't feel like that, at least in that one particular area. Uh, he had two sacks, I want to say 12 total tackles, an interception, even though they called it back because illegal hands to the face or face mask, whatever they ended up calling, which is a bullcrap call. Another game where I don't know what the refs are like hating on the Bears this year, but we had nine, was it nine or nine or 10 penalties and Lions had one. Do not tell me that the Detroit Lions, who are one of the worst football teams in the league this year, only had one penalty. I mean, they're clearly not like a more disciplined team. No. Like, don't get me wrong, I like Dan Campbell, but like I don't think he's instilled that much coaching into them at this point. Uh, there were so many calls that were just very like weak, I would yeah. say. like There was a first call on the first drive um, that was the holding on um, Braxton Jones. Mm-hmm. and it, Terrible. It was like, I mean, by the letter of the law. Maybe you could is. say it was but a But a normal, there's a holding on every single exactly. play. Within, uh, within the, constri- the confines of the NFL, there is a certain threshold you have to reach for holding, and I don't think you reach that, that yeah. same thing. And then there's another holding penalty later in the game. I don't remember the exact context of it, but Byron Pringle was holding a guy kind of by his shoulder pads. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think he got really his hands on the outside. It didn't seem yeah, like I remember he was that one. Dra- grabbing on and stuff, and those are just two off the top of my head, so... Yeah. It was a tough game penalty-wise for the Bears, for sure. It was, and like you said, they were very ticky-tacky ones, but those ticky-tacky ones weren't being called on the opposite side, and that's what gets exactly. frustrating. If they're going, if you're going to call those penalties and you're going to say, hey, today's going to be the day we're going to call these holdings that happen pretty much every single down in NFL football, then you need to do it on both sides. And yeah. we're in, we're also at home. <laughs> like that was Usually that happens when you're on the road somewhere else, but whatever. It's one of those things also where you're like, at some point, like good football teams at the end of the day are not complaining about the refs um, usually, and we're not a very great football team as in well-rounded and everything figured out. So the, those calls stand out even more to us because those calls change games because we don't have a lot of game-changing moments moments outside of a few pieces um but again I think that Jaquan 
has been continuously playing well. He retweeted a statistic about himself, and it was the most confidence I think I've seen out of any secondary player in a long time. Um, I don't remember exactly what he said, like something about sipping the tea. Oh, yeah, he pretty pretty much just had someone, one of the big sports accounts, like compiled all of his numbers Mm -hmm. to show how good he's been, and he pretty much is like, yeah, like you guys all messed up for passing on me. I'm that dude. Essentially, yeah. is what he was saying. And then it because it said his a total allowed yards, which I, it was like 195 or something. And he was like, and that's a stretch. Like, yeah. He's like, <laughs> I, eh, like eh, I, love I don't know it. about that one. I love it. I love Jaquan. Kyler's been increasingly playing better. The problem we had last week too. Kendall Vildor was out, and Lamar Jackson was playing, and that was not pretty. Not, not immediately. The Lamar Jackson I noted you wanted to be unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Immediately, like we were sitting there watching at the Bears watch party, and one of the guys was like, "Oh God, who's that?" And I was like. Lamar Jackson, <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. Yeah. And people, compl- like, I saw a p- few people when I retweeted the injury report from last week, and I was like, not good. Like, no Tevin, that's not good. No Kendall, that's not good. Um, and someone was like, Kendall sucks. I was like, Kendall has not sucked. Like, I promise you, Kendall's been playing He's been solid football. Good almost, I'd yeah. say. And you could tell last week that Kendall Vildor was not playing. Um, so I think that... Th- there's pieces that you can take out of in a positive light. I think that the offensive line honestly looked decent last week, and this is without Tevin Jenkins, who is probably our best offensive lineman at this point. At this point, um, but Michael Schofield they had at that right guard position, and I think other than uh, maybe a few, I'm not an offensive line guru so I'm not sitting there staring at the O-line and who did what but from what I could tell Justin had a decent amount of time to throw especially in those first three quarters um there is pressure on him but we're expecting that at this point we just are happy when it's not five six seven sacks and like the way he was able to elude guys like I think he definitely also made it look like things were better for sure like we had a couple plays where like and that's what Justin does yeah he he just made five guys miss and he's like oh wow like but there, the were, the there were definitely a few moments also where he was standing back there for yeah. a good three, four, five seconds, and I thought like out loud, "Wow!" I mean, like, that Cole Komet touchdown, like I remember him having a lot of time. Yeah, so. and then he goes to throw, and I was like, "Oh God!" And then I was like, "Oh, Cole Komet's wide open, wide open," <laughs> um, which we don't see that often in Chicago, and we have in a while, so that was fun. Um, but that brings us to this, Dylan, and we've been waiting for this week, and here Special we are week. after ten weeks. We get to talk about QB one. Justin Fields. Like we haven't talked about him at all before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, his name hasn't been mentioned at all this year. No, but this is our first time we really get to say this episode's about Justin Fields. And um, I'm so excited because we all we talked about all offseason was this season is about Justin Fields. This season is about how he develops, the progress he makes. Um, There was a little bit of chatter of like, do we start, at what week do we start talking about drafting a quarterback if Justin's not doing what we need. We don't have to think about that anymore. Not even uh, the smallest thought in my mind. we do not have to think about that, and it's so exciting. So we're going to chat some Justin Fields today. We had his coach from high school, um, Coach Matt Dickman. It was his head coach at Harrison High in Georgia, and he's going to join us on this um, podcast today, and he's great. He he loves talking about Justin Fields, and you can tell, which I get it. I love talking about Justin Fields, and I didn't coach. I don't know Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. I didn't coach Justin Fields, so I get it. Um, He's watched this kid from his sophomore year just develop and progress and turn into this NFL quarterback that now people are talking about nationally as being 
a top 10 quarterback, potentially an MVP candidate, potentially Dan Orlovsky. That was a little much, I'll say. There Now other people are saying it, though. I've seen more people mentioning it. And the problem is the Bears aren't winning. Yeah, if the like, Bears I, were winning, it would, it, you could say hands down, yes. Yeah, like, why I, wouldn't you? It, it kind of really depends on how you define the mm-hmm. MVP. Like, it, the player who means the most to their team, sure. Yeah. You definitely have a very good argument for that. But I think the NFL voters... I've established that there's a lot more to that that goes into just that. Like you have to have team success. So like, yeah, see, yeah, and that, that's never road, made sense to me. I always think like a most valuable player. That's what it's about, not like a most valuable player directly correlating team. to whatever. Like yeah. to me, a most valuable player is someone like Justin Fields who has literally put this team on his back. And although wins aren't coming out at the other side, what's happening is you're seeing a team score 30 plus and a 29 in four, what are we, four or five weeks now. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing if it wasn't for the defense allowing 38 points out on average, they would be dominating these wins. And what I think of when when you look at an MVP to me, if you take that player off of the team, what does that team look like? Well, this team would look terrible. That's what, to me, that's an MVP. Yeah. If you took Josh Allen out of the Bills, would they be the what the Buffalo Bills are right now? Definitely not. Would they still be able to win a few games, win some games? I think so. I mean, they could um, like the play. Like if you're he saying was hurt last week and we just saw them yeah. blow a lead to the Vikings. Um, so maybe that is questionable, but you take Aaron Rodgers the last two week, uh, two years has won MVP. If you took Aaron Rodgers out of the Packers, the Packers would not be the Packers. And so I think to me, that's always been the main focal point, but I get it. They want to talk, they want it to revolve to directly correlate to wins. So it's also, that's where we're at. it's also a season long award, yeah. not just the last month Yeah, to play a little bit of devil's advocate. Yeah. Again, Justin has been playing to an MVP level and like once we get him some actual to throw to, yeah. maybe he'll we'll actually be, win it. Yeah. We'll be talking about it hopefully in a year or two, but um, let's just go over a little bit of, so Justin Fields uh, grew up in North Georgia, uh, about 25 minutes away from where Trevor Lawrence grew Crazy. up. Crazy. Very crazy. Uh, like, so there's 360 million people in America, and two of the best quarterbacks, you no, know, the two best quarterbacks at their age happen to be born in the same state, 25 minutes away. What yeah. are the odds? It's insane. I I think that Trevor actually was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, but uh-huh. he like grew up in North Georgia. But it, it's really wild. So he obviously, since I when I was reading, since sixth grade. That's as far back as I like could track his football. Um, but he had he worked under a private. QB coach, which I'm slipping on the name right now. I'll figure that out in a second. It is crazy. Um, 12 years at, old to have a quarterback coach. sixth grade. So obviously there was something there that was like... Early. Yeah. Like some, this kid's athletic. This kid's fast. This kid loves football. Like there was probably a combination of things. Probably the parents where, also definitely, I think we're pushing that too. Yeah. Which we, when we talked to um, coach Matt Dickman, he mentions Justin's dad a lot being a big part of the way Justin's life has gone. His mm-hmm. career has gone. Everything in general. So... Um, he, Justin Fields originally committed to Penn state, not, I don't like not officially committed. I want to say it was like a verbal commit. Like he said, yes, I'm, I'm going to go to Penn state. And from what I've read, it was like a really stressful time for Justin Fields because he didn't want to, he didn't want to like hurt people's feelings and like tell schools no. And so it was like a very overwhelming time. And there was a lot of schools coming after him, obviously. Um, he went to the Elite 11. He won MVP at the Elite 11 against Trevor Lawrence. Um, and he won the Mr. Georgia football, uh, which we have like 
Florida, Mr. Florida or whatever. And so Georgia has that same thing, like the best football player in the state. And Justin Fields won that. Um, so it's just been like success since pretty much he started Forever. playing football. As long and, as I've heard of Justin Fields, he's been associated with winning football. Yeah. Um, so he rev- took away, he decommitted to Penn State and committed to Kirby Smart and Georgia. Um, despite them having Jake Fromm, who just took them to a national championship. Um, so a lot of people questioned that because they were like, why are you committing to Georgia when they already have their quarterback? To me, um, that's Justin Fields' competitiveness, maybe. Like, maybe in his head, he was like, number one, it's my state school. Like, it's Georgia. Um, we heard when we were talking to, who was it when they committed to, they were talking about, they committed and he pulled out the other glove and it wasn't Bulldogs colors. And oh, was, I know. Was, oh, oh I'm I know what you're it. talking about. It's killing me that I can't remember this right now. Um, it wasn't Cole Komet. It was, I think it was whoever we did the episode before that. Dang it. It's I killing can't think me. Of it, Larry Bourne. Was it Jaquan? No, no, it was somebody who was like, they were fumbling through his bag because he was trying to pull out the, oh. I know. I there are definitely someone listening to this that remembers <laughs> it and is like screaming like, oh, it's this one. It'll come to me. Yeah, but, but anyways. Um, he, it was like, it's like that situation. So when Georgia is like, Borum, honestly, huh? I think it was Larry Borum, but it doesn't matter. Continue. continue yeah. Continue. It was th- thick and thin. Georgia loves their Bulldogs. And so I'm sure there's a billion kids in that school and surrounding him that were like, you need to go to Georgia. You need to go to be, you need to be a Bulldog. And when we talked about um, coach Matt Dickman uh, real quick, his private QB coach was Ron Veal, a former quarterback in the NFL or a former player in the NFL, but he also runs a QB um, camp. But so he he pretty much was like, probably in my head, Matt Dickman says he's a very competitive person. So in my head, this competitive person said, I can go to Georgia, be in the state where I grew up, um, go to an SEC school, work under Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart's great. So I completely get wanting to commit to Kirby Smart um, and win that job. Well, he got there, and he didn't. Uh, Jake Fromm played that entire season of 2018, and I there's rumors that other things happened. I don't know the validity of this, but there were rumors that he there was, like, racial slurs yelled at Justin. Um, <clears throat> the story I read was that he, I guess, during a football game or something football-related, uh, I'm guessing it was at a game because someone yelled for them to bench Jake Fromm. They were playing Tennessee. Jake Fromm wasn't playing well. And someone said, put the word we do not say in. And that kid also happened to play on the baseball team, which Justin Fields was on the baseball team. So the story is that there was just obviously some uncomfortableness. And Justin went to the NCAA and he filed for a... um, like hardship a hardship, waiver. hardship, yeah. Grant, he was granted the hardship waiver, um, but, it, it, and that's a process. Like, And that's what, last week when we were talking, I was like, I can't really quite remember how it happened because it's not easy to just get to transfer. Like, that's a more recent yeah, thing. Yeah, it's not like it was these days, for sure. Yeah, and so I was a little confused on that, but that's what it was, is he uh, he applied for that. Um, he immediately enrolled in at Ohio State. He took part in winter conditioning drill, drills, um, but... Ryan Day, who was a large part of why Justin decided to go to Ohio State. Um, Ryan Justin said he loved Ryan Day. Ryan Day was the, like in large part the reason that he chose to go to that place. In addition to, uh, they just lost who Dwayne Haskins had just went 
into the NFL. Was that is that did he go there or did he transfer? No, yeah, because Joe Burrow Has- left to LSU. Yes, uh, Haskins to the no was. Yeah, when Haskins is the NFL, and then yeah. it went Justin Fields, and now they have Stroud. So, yeah. yeah. So um, they had just lost Dwayne Haskins, and so now Justin Fields finds a spot that needs a quarterback and has a coach like Ryan Day who believes in him. But Ryan Day at first was kind of like, ah, uh, he's not our starting quarterback. We don't know yet. Like, we're just going to kind of figure it out. Um, Justin kind of recalls originally when he was recruiting, recruiting and Ohio state, they talked a little bit, but he said at the time they had already a commit, a QB commit to Ohio state. So Ryan day wasn't really like pushing it super hard and Justin. So there wasn't much conversation at all until all of this stuff came up on Georgia. But anyways, so it's just, it's, it's a cool story. It's a story of Justin. You can say that competitive nature of Justin some people said it, he kind of copped out because mm-hmm. he didn't want to have to compete with Jake Fromm. But in my eyes, you only have a limited time in college. And if you are not like you, this, Kirby Smart clearly made it known that Jake Fromm was going to be starting and Justin Fields did not have a spot, spot on the starting roster. Yeah, I think it's pretty. I think saying that like he ran away from Georgia to like go someplace where he had a free starting job isn't necessarily the correct narrative to put out there. Um, I was actually doing a little bit of research for the interview we were doing earlier, and I had forgotten that. So do you know who Tate Martell is? I don't know. So he was a big quarterback prospect that also happened to go on the same show, QB1, that Justin was on. Mm-hmm. He might have been one of the guys I was referring to later in the interview, mm-hmm. but you, you guys will see what I'm talking about yeah. later. Um, but he originally, or he originally committed to A&M, decommitted, and then they went to Ohio State, um, and he's like a top quarterback prospect. And initially, when Justin was uh, transferring there, he was viewed as like, all right, like Dwayne Haskins on the way out. We got this guy Martell on the bench. Like, we'll see if he can take over for Haskins. And Justin's announced to get a transfer there. And Martell immediately is like, this guy can't handle me. Like, I don't know why he's coming here. Like, this is already my job. Like, I'm not afraid of him. And then a week later, he transfers to Miami. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, that's that's weak sauce. Yeah. And like, it's just like, he's not running away from competition. He's very clearly going towards one. And yeah. with Georgia, it was such a hard situation because, like, at the end of the day, it's not an easy thing to do to bench a quarterback that takes you to the national championship yeah. game, especially yeah. in college football. And when you only got a guy for four years and you're like, well, like he took us this far, like maybe he can get us again and like the rest of our squad can get us over the hump. And in hindsight, huge mistake. Yeah. yeah. But in the moment, it was a little bit understandable why they were doing it. Personally, I thought it was dumb. I thought Fields was very good. Yeah. What I had seen of him, but. He went to Ohio State, and the rest is history. So yeah, and honestly, I think it probably was the best choice for Justin Fields. Um, the uh, you can't deny, like, yes, Georgia has talent. We see Georgia players in pretty much every f- NFL game we see, but we also see Ohio State players in every NFL game we watch because there's loads of talent at Ohio State. Again, I love Kirby Smart, but I also really do love Ryan Day. Um, I think he's been a great coach, and every player that I've ever heard from at all during the Big Ten media days and any player that ends up going to the NFL always have good things Ryan Day is more of an offense guy too, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think that also is a big thing. Like, Kirby, like, say what you want about him. He's a great coach. But, like, yeah. He's a safety. And That's why Georgia's day, defense is what they are. Georgia is defense. Yeah. And there's, like, Stenson Bennett, for example. He's having a good year. But I don't think that there's ever going to be a quarterback that's going to explode in Georgia's system like you've seen a guy like Justin explode in Ohio's system because – I just think they're more of like, we're going to play defense and we're going to run the ball. And yeah. that's something that Georgia produces defenders and running backs. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's just, 
there's a lot of things that point to Justin Fields. Um, there's a lot of things that like point to Justin Fields ending up in Chicago. And we are thankful. We are so, so thankful because who knows if he stayed in Georgia, what would have happened after that? If he would have only sat behind Jake Fromm and never really had a true chance, or maybe had he did play a few games because Georgia would be winning and by so much in some games that Justin yeah, would get thrown in. I think he in. actually got in like the last game of the year and he had like 300 yards or something. He played really well. Yeah, too. I looked I was... at his numbers and he has statistics. So they're there like he was playing at Georgia, but it was definitely one of the situations where it was either they were they were behind by a lot and they'd put him in or he it was like the end of the season type of thing. Yeah. But anyways, from that to just, so that could have definitely changed the trajectory of where Justin Fields went. Obviously that season for the Bears was so weird because this, the Bears started five and one the season they drafted Justin Fields. Yeah. What? Yeah. I can't even believe that. It's went just... to the playoffs. Started 5 and 1. Yeah. Finished the season 500, went to the playoffs, got smoked that right away. Um signed Andy Dalton. QB1. And then less than a month later, they're drafting their franchise quarterback and they're trading up to draft their franchise quarterback because the Jets passed on him because the Niners passed on him because Denver passed on him because the New York Giants believe in Daniel Jones and said here take Justin yeah. Fields. Yeah. And like the crazy thing like before we get to the interview really quick like I would say when the Bears signed Andy Dalton and were like this is our quarterback one our starting quarterback yeah, they for the said season. QB1. I was when like, they said like joke. This, is, this is our starter for the year I was like this is I think the most what's the word I can't think of the correct word. I'm, but like, I was so unconcerned with the Bears. I was so in despair with mm-hmm. the Bears. I was like, this You're might like be apathetic. Apathetic. That that, mm-hmm. That's I think a perfect word. I was like, I was just so like the lowest I had been because mm-hmm. I was just like, we've got this old aging defense that's worth so much money and this terrible quarterback we mm-hmm. just signed with an offense that can't score and a head coach that has no idea what he's doing yeah. and a front office that has no idea what they're doing either. And it seems like nothing's going to change. And I was just in despair. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. Something that happens that changes it completely around for me. And I've felt so much more excited since the day we drafted Justin. And arguably, I don't think I've felt that excited about any players the Bears have ever had. Yeah. And like, for for me personally, like how much I like enjoy rooting for Justin Fields, I think it's only comparable for one person for me. And that's Derek Rose, my sports idol. So Mm -hmm. like the idea that like someone I saw when I was for the first time when I was 11 or 12 when I first fell in love with Derek and now yeah. I'm 25 and yeah. like I'm feeling the same way that's about a, a guy that's two that. years younger than me by the way yeah but it's just I love him and it's yeah. so much fun that he's a quarterback it is and I'll tell like just on that subject because I obviously I host a show called helmets and heels and on helmets and heels the night so I kind of jokingly had been posting that week because there was who else there was somebody else available like another very mediocre quarterback was available around that time um, I can't think of who it was right now, but I like jokingly was like, the bears are going to sign this guy and I'm going to be so angry. Like another mediocre guy that like, I do not want. And I can't remember who it was, dang it. But, um, then literally the day we had helmets and heels show, they signed Andy Dalton. So we had a show that night and as I'm taught uh, they were all like Taylor, like what is going on? And I said this on heels, I've posted it on Twitter before, but I was like, they're not done. Like, they're not this stupid. They're going to draft a quarterback. I really believe that. And I was like, as much as I criticize Ryan Pace in certain aspects, like, he's not this dumb to do nothing. And so I said, I believe that in the draft, something's going to happen. Whether I love that move, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be yet because I truly thought Justin was going to go higher than what he went. I thought he was going to go, like, top five. I didn't think that. I was honestly thinking Mac Jones, like, they were going to try to 
something like that. There was somebody that went a little later that I, uh, Kyle Trask maybe did Kyle he go Trask. that year? He was like early second round. Yeah, so, yeah. so I was like maybe someone like that. Though I was like I just don't think this is the, the final uh, QB move. The Texans quarterback Dex- Davis Mills. He yeah. was like a big guy, yes, like mid third round. Yeah, yeah, like. So I was just thinking more of something like that, but I truly didn't think that Andy Dalton was like the last move. But anyways, we ha- we're we going to get to the interview with Matt um, Matt Dickman, Coach Matt Dickman out of Harrison High. But I do want to really quick just go over the numbers for Justin Fields because this is why we chose him. Um, so despite the loss, Justin Fields against the Lions, 167 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, 147 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Um, I mean, you, the, the numbers explain themselves. And I think that the one thing that really stands out, and this is why I thought it was time to really talk about him, were two things. Number one, the comparison between week one through four. So Justin Fields' first four games, he was 34 of 67, 471 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions, 58.7 passer rating. The last six games, Justin Fields is 88 of 141, 1,018 yards, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions, 99.6 passer rating. Um People still want to tell me he hasn't improved, he hasn't evolved, he can't throw, he's whatever. All of these trash things and people who want to say they can't throw. Let's also talk about where um, Justin Fields uh, um, ranks among players since week eight. Rushing ta- rushing touchdowns, he's had four, tied for first. Rushing yards, 385, second. Passing touchdowns, seven, second in the NFL. Passer rating, 108.9, fourth in the NFL. So for people who want to tell me that Justin Fields cannot throw the ball or he's not accurate or he's a running back, um, that we can haters. give you all of these haters. numbers. That's all they yeah. are. They're haters. I just don't understand, and I went on this rant last week, how you can logically expect a quarterback to rush for 150 yards and then also pass for 300. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, he's, he's hitting 300 total yards, 300-plus total yards, and that's what any quarterback's doing right now in the NFL is around that number we just have a line that cannot pass block so we run the ball and we also don't have receivers that aren't that good at catching either yeah we have i think we only have 11 drops and the like the most in the league right now is the patriots with like or the patriots or the bucks i don't know i get lost because tom brady's was on both but whoever the leader is has 23 but the difference is they have over double the amount of, of attempts. attempts yeah so it ends up being to where if you if you statistically Averaged those, adjusted everything to the attempts and everything that the Bears would be in the top three of drop passes comparably. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, let's get to this interview. Uh, it was really fun to do. Uh, again, Mac Dick, Matt Dickman, he's now the head strength coach for Harrison High, but he was the head coach for Harrison High when Justin Fields played quarterback there. All right, now we are joined by Coach Matt Dickman. He is the head strength coach at Harrison High, but was Justin Fields' head coach. when The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. 
the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. He played at Harrison High his junior and senior year. Uh, Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, We're super excited to get to dive into Justin Fields this week because he is just so much fun and it's by the week it's getting more fun to watch him but i want to take you back just a minute to april 29th mm-hmm. 2021 coach and when justin fields was drafted by the chicago bears the bears didn't have much hope that season they had just given a bunch of money to andy dalton we had a, a 20 we were the 20th pick in the nfl and just didn't think much was going to come out of it and i i always do a draft party every year and so i had a bunch of friends over at my house and we work in Jacksonville. I don't know if you know that, but Dylan and I both work for 1010XL, so we're the flagship of the Jaguars. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, we knew, was going to the Jaguars, so it yeah. was exciting in that factor, which we'll get to Trevor a little bit later, too, because I want to talk about that comparison. But when I walked to the kitchen to make a new drink, all my friends say, Taylor, they just traded up. The Bears traded up. Yep. So I run out to the living room. And I just immediately start saying, please say it's Justin Fields and not Mac Jones. Please say it's Justin Fields and not Mac Jones. And when that name came up on the screen, I was just absolutely ecstatic. Can you take me back to that day for you? Yeah, I I knew when they traded up, I said right away, I said, someone's going to trade up for him. I said, he, he shouldn't be left. And I said, these, these other people, I think they're going to regret this down the road. And uh, the minute the Bears did that, I said, they're going to take Justin. I just had the feeling that they were going to. So I was excited for him because I could tell, you know, watching it, that he was definitely frustrated. Mm-hmm. He won't tell anybody that. He won't show that. But I could I could just tell knowing him. So very happy for him that that happened. But, yeah, that was exciting. To, the minute they did that, I knew that they, they couldn't probably believe he was still there. Oh, yeah. They said, hey, we got to get this guy. Yeah, we were very so. thankful. And uh, still to this day, I thank the Jets. I thank the 49ers. There's a lot of people, I think, in that aspect. Uh, but let's <laughs> let's go back to his uh, his time in, in high school for a little bit. So he took over that starting role at Harrison High his junior year. Um, statistics show already, Coach, that he was pretty incredible that junior year. When you look at yeah. it, the amount of just – Rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, passing yards, passing touchdowns. It was just, honestly, it's amazing to look at. As I was reading those numbers yesterday, I was just amazed. But tell us a little bit about where Justin was at the time, at the start of that junior season, and athleticism and skill set. Well, he actually started as a 10th grader, and he broke his finger the eighth game of the year, I believe it was. Seventh or eighth, I can't remember for sure. But he was just starting to get comfortable in the offense, and we were starting to put more stuff in. I remember the first time we ran power read, he went 60 yards house and he was just starting to get comfortable and we were starting to expand. And, uh, you know, he broke the tip of his finger and we lost him for those last two or three games. So I think it might've been the last three games. So that was kind of, you know, disappointing, but, uh, in the off season, what we did is and I had never done this, we implemented the RPO system, the run pass. So just about every play he could, he had the option to throw the ball on an RPO to hand it off or run it. 
And uh, we did that because I just knew his skill set. Plus, we had a good group of guys around him that we could do all this with. So some people say, well, you were kind of taking a chance, weren't you? I said, no, because <laughs> I knew that, you know, I think at that time that might have been my 34th or 30th year coaching, 32nd, I don't even remember. But at that point in time, I knew that, you know, he was special and he was going to be able to do all this. So we introduced it in the spring and uh, he just took off with it and just made good decisions. I mean, the one thing I don't think a lot of people understand is how, you know, articulate and intelligent he is. And that with working with high school students, you have to rep stuff a lot. You have to go over it and over it. Not with him. You pretty much could talk about it, do it. And uh, he must have one heck of a memory because, you know, we never really had to to talk to him about, no, this is wrong. He, he just, you know, would take off with it. So it was, it was great. It was a lot of fun just to watch him and, and what we could do with the offense um, his junior year, you know. Um, so, Coach, something I was wondering is um, in the time I've been able to watch Justin, you could see he really has a lot of poise in being able to handle. Like, he's a yep. star, and he just kind of seems really comfortable in those big situations. Something I don't think a lot of people know is he actually was on a TV show in high school. Um, yep. Going, yep. Following him throughout his senior year of high school and the, the whole recruiting process and all of that. What was that like for you with the program and Justin? Well, I was a little nervous about this uh, TV show thing because I'm 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 not a rah rah guy. I'm I'm very quiet. It's about the team. It's about that's that's just the way I kind of am. You know, it's about the uniform all looking the same. Um, and I kind of watched a little bit of it because I never watched it, and I just didn't like the way some of the coaches acted on it and. And not, you know, I'm I'm really strict with our coaches too about our language and our players. And I just saw it and I was like, wow, are these people going to come out and try to look for every wrong thing instead of right mm-hmm. thing in your program? But Justin wanted to do it. And I said, okay. I said, I'm going to send it to the county. The county approved it, which I didn't know if they would or not, because they're going to be coming into your classroom and everything. But they did. So they must have, the county must have, you know, been excited <laughs> for us to do this. But um, it was a great experience. I'm glad we did it because the guys that did it came in and said, listen, we're not, we're not going to, you know, if, if the kids are acting up, we'll walk out of the room. And so they did a great job of, of, you know, and I felt comfortable with our coaches. I just didn't want them to say, oh, I got you doing one thing wrong. Because uh-huh. again, our coaches are, are great men and, you know, we don't use foul language, which I saw a lot of that on the other QB ones, which I don't understand. <laughs> um, but, but you know, uh, Justin did a great job, too, just because his father and him through the recruiting process. And, you know, Justin's very competitive. He's very driven. And I was glad to just see the way he handled it. But, uh, um, you know, it, it turned out it was great. We had a lot of fun with it. And uh, the kids kind of just ignored the guys once you know they were there and and it was a great experience it really was yeah i can only imagine what it'd be like being you know 17 18 years old being on a television show i know yeah. it wasn't like a huge tv show or anything but like the idea of like right. me being on a tv show is still something crazy so the fact that he could handle that in the first place very impressive and all yeah. um going through that whole recruiting and process I, and, and and i will say this i i give a lot of credit to his dad his dad's a great man and uh, he was a police officer, military man, and um, he they just did it the right way. With the recruiting process, 
it was awesome. His dad said to me, okay, uh, we're starting the season. Uh, there won't be any interviews about uh, college. Uh, it'll all be about Harrison High School and his senior year. So that really took a lot because there's people calling all the time wanting to interview mm-hmm. and talk about college. And and his dad said, nope, if it doesn't have anything to do with Harrison High football, we're not going to do it. So, you know, I credit his dad tremendously for keeping things in perspective for Justin, who did a great job. But if you would write a book on the right way to handle recruiting and do it, Justin and his dad um, definitely did that. Justin was everybody admired him for the way he handled himself, which is another credit to his, his family and his dad. Um, but he was always, you know, he handled himself well when he met with the coaches and they were just, were always like the way he, you know, his personality and the way he greeted and talked to him. So the recruiting process was, was good. It was, it was great for me once they could talk to him and call him and not call me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be out. I'd be out on a Saturday just trying to mow the yard and my phone is blowing up, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, can you have Justin do this or that? Or, and I, you know, if some of the coaches had to say, listen, um, you know, he's going to make up his mind. I don't have anything to do with this. I'm just here to advise and give support. So, but the recruiting process was a little crazy, but once they could call him, I know it was tiring on him because we yeah. would talk. And he would go, sometimes, Coach, I just I don't answer. I let my phone. I said, I don't blame you. I said, just tell him, though, you've narrowed it down to five schools and you're not one of them. you got to be polite and let them know mm-hmm. so you can live your life and move on. But, yeah, we we had one day in here like 15 to 17 coaches oh, come in. So wow. for me, you know, it was hard for me to do my job, you know. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I, I imagine it goes on with the big-time programs all the time. But oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the recruiting process, they handled it well. It was a great experience. It's, yeah. like, it's like those people, the, the, call, the car warranty people that are calling, like, do you have a second to talk about yes. your car warranty? Yeah, I yes. think uh, Justin's uh, very much a Ferrari in the situation <laughs> yeah. for making that comparison. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think it's very obvious, and we're just seeing Justin, that he's a very, you know, very well-raised and a very, you know, just a good guy. Um, something else I think yep. I've noticed is, like, there have been some other quarterbacks um, in that QB one show that I think they a little bit little, they let the fan go to their head a little bit. There's one guy in particular I'm yeah. thinking about. I don't have to say his name, um, but <laughs> how do you think Justin was able to handle being a star at such a young age and being able to like you know like not be like I'm the guy rather than just being I'm one of the guys you know yeah. part of the team. Yeah, I think again a lot of it has to do with his dad and his dad's background with the military and and being a police officer. And uh, also his faith, you know, his uh, his family and his dad, he was raised, um, you know, Christian young man. And and he uh, wears his faith on his sleeve. So, you know, it's great to see young men like that today with the way the world is and they're being tugged and pulled and social media, you know. So it's just something that's why I always like to do if someone asks me to do an interview about Justin, I'm always wanting to and willing to just to talk about how well the process went, the way he carried himself in high school. Uh, We just need more young men to do that. And he was a great role model for that, you know, but Mm -hmm. I think, you know, just the way it was handled, it it, again has to go with his upbringing and his faith and, and his dad's background of discipline, you know? Yeah, I agree that seeing uh, young men be able to 
go through all of this. It's, it's a lot. And especially when you are being pulled and tugged in a lot of ways. And you're also just trying to be a high school student, which is hard enough on its own. Um, but I yeah. want to talk a little bit about more of that junior and senior year. I know there is a probably a million moments that you could point to um, because I can tell you that in just the 20 starts that I've watched Justin Fields, I've had several moments where my jaw was on the floor watching him escape yeah. pressure or any any many of times that he's been able to do this and this is just in a short period of time um so i want to know if there's a particular moment or game that really stands out to you where when you were watching you're like this kid is going to be something well i, I kind of just noticed that with you know you watch his highlights from his middle school program his dad some to me and you can look and say at that point in time that that this young man has potential but a lot happens from that time into high school. Uh, how much will that person grow? Because whether people like it or not, uh, an athlete has a lot to do with his God-given ability. And then how hard he's going to work. And Justin did both of those. You know, he continued to grow and he continued to work. Um, but at an early age, you could just see, and as a freshman, um, you know, being able to work with them in the spring and then watch all his games, you really saw that you were going to have a, a young man that could threaten it down the field with throwing it, be accurate, and could run. I mean, when you have a quarterback in high school that can and is, and is bright, when you have those things, you know, you can really do a lot, and you can be very successful as a program. Of course, you better hope you have a few people around him. They don't have to be great. They just got to be mm-hmm. good players. But, you know, we saw that in middle school with with the highlight tape because I think I had just gotten here. And then I saw that in ninth grade. And then we saw as a 10th grader, you know, always had to say, hey, you know, you know, there's going to be times you're going to struggle. I remember one time telling him, listen, we I'm going to have you do two reads when we throw the ball. After two reads, you pull the ball down and run it, because at this point in the season, you've always gotten eight plus yards. Um, but I think. You know, just seeing him and seeing how we could continue to grow and do things, and and especially his junior year, just how well the RPOs were going and hit the decisions he were he was making. I knew that. I said, this kid is going to be a superstar in college, and he's going to go to the next level. You know, I just knew it because of I'm, I'm in my 30th some year of coaching, and I'm coaching him, and I've never had anyone that dynamic at that position. I mean, I've had kids that were good at throwing the ball, mm-hmm. but they didn't have all the other, they couldn't check all the other boxes. I've had kids that were very good at running the ball, but they weren't accurate and couldn't throw the ball. He just was a complete package, you know? So there, there was just moments of just seeing how well he could do stuff. You're like, wow, we're going to be able to do a lot with this young man. And especially with the people around that we had with him, there was a game. Uh, I think it was, it was either his junior year, is his junior year, senior year, senior year. He, he made six guys miss. It was a pass play, and he reverse pivoted. He ran around a few times in the backfield and ran for like 60 yards and made six guys miss. And, you know, we were joking on the sideline, yep, just how we drew it up. But, <laughs> it's you Justin. know, yes. you, could, you could see just, you know, just like when he did it in the Bears game mm-hmm. the other day, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, I, I've been watching that since he was in high school. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me, you know. What kind of surprises me is that people don't understand that if he's his his talent level and skill level is off the charts, and if you use him the right way, 
you know, he's, he's going to be productive. Uh-huh. One of the problems is, is right now and nothing against the, the guys on the team, but I know that there's not as many superstars playing around him as there are other quarterbacks. Well, think about Ohio state. Here's a kid that was an unbelievable five-star athlete who I knew right away was going to flourish because of, at Ohio state, you're going to get the best people around you, you know, because of recruiting and uh-huh. not drafting. And I mean, I knew, and people were like, how do you think he's going to do? I said, he's going to do just fine. I go, Ryan Day's a, a mastermind on offense and throwing the ball. And I go, he's skill, skill levels off the chart. And I watched those college football shows and they'd say, oh, he's going to struggle. And I just kind of laughed, <laughs> you know, and, and I, the same thing in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it's all about, it doesn't matter how great you are. It's, it's about your supporting cast. And right now, you know, I just like the things they're doing with him. We the same stuff we did in high school. Mm-hmm. I just I, I yell at him when he's running to get freaking out of bounds and down. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we. Uh... But, you know. It, Sorry, go ahead. But all that doesn't you know surprise me at all. And we've seen it since high school. We've known since high school that he was an unbelievable uh, player and kid, and and we knew that he, if he was going to stay healthy, I always said, then he's going to be fine. Yes. So. Well, and that's what you mentioned earlier about his ability to throw the ball and run. And you see quarterbacks that can do one or the other, but not necessarily always both of those things. But we are in a point where the NFL, we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks who that mobility factor is just taking them to that next level. And we hear constantly how hard it is for a defense to cover to figure out Justin Fields because the moment yep. you think you have him down, you don't. There's Jalen Hurts is playing incredible this year. Guys like Lamar Jackson, obviously, they all have that ability to kind of do both things. Recently, obviously, there's no denying because he's pretty a uh, lead rusher in the NFL. A lot of people have been criticizing, though, that the fact of his throwing ability, his th- his accuracy. Um, I think he's capable of it because I've seen glimpses of it. I think that the Bears' talent around him in that fa- in that aspect may be uh, kind of mediocre at best, so that's not really helping things. But what do you say to those people who have the criticisms that say Justin Fields can't throw the ball? <laughs> it makes me laugh <laughs> because, you know, I've seen it firsthand. And, you know, first it was, well, he, he can't go through his progression. I have high school clips of his senior and junior year, him going through three and four progressions. Because, first of all, he had time to throw the ball, uh-huh. okay? But he can go through four progressions, and he can pull it down and run. So I laughed at that. I mean, I have cut-ups of him going through his progressions. And then in, in in college, it was the same thing. He went through his progressions. And, you know, I I just think when you get to the NFL, you are as good as your supporting cast. And, again, I'm not knocking those guys that – there's some really good football players. They're playing in the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, in the on the Chicago Bears and other teams. But the better your supporting cast is and the healthier your supporting cast is, the better your accuracy is going to be. The, the more time you're going to have to throw the ball. You've seen that with Aaron Rodgers when the O-line breaks down. You've seen that with Tom Brady until maybe they get back under their feet and things get better. Or they get people back mm-hmm. that are healthy. There's a lot of factors that go into that. But, you know, Justin in high school was near 70% completion. I believe in college he was at 70-some, I'm pretty sure. I don't have any stats in front of me. And, you know, again, in the NFL, when you move him out of the pocket and and give him those crossing routes or deep 
corner routes. He's he's a master at throwing the deep corner route. I'd like to see more of those. Mm-hmm. But um, you see that he's done well. He's moved in the pocket, set his feet, and still hit someone in the middle of the field. Um, I just think as they start to mesh together and that O-line gets more experience, I think his completion you know, rating will go up and you keep everybody healthy. But he can throw the ball as accurate as anybody I've ever seen that I've coached. And he's got an unbelievable strong arm, which I think that at times he has not, you know, had the chance to use this year because of the pressure in the pocket and things like that. But I think as the bears continue to grow together as a team, and I know they have a lot of cap money to spend next year. I think you're just going to see him get better and better. You know, the, the thing about him is yes, he can run the ball. So when things do break down, um, that's one of the traits he has that a lot of people don't, and you might as well use it because that's what makes you special and your skill level better than most people that can only sit in the pocket. So. Well, I love to hear that. That's for sure. And honestly, to all the people that are out there saying congrats on finding a running back, shut up. He's a quarterback. <laughs> he's awesome. He's going to be great. Um, so well, anyway. You know, as as a coach, you're always going to get those people. Yeah. And oh, yeah. to me, they always they always make those – they really make themselves sound ignorant when they yeah. make a comment about a, a young man that, that is that blessed, which has proven it in high school, at, which he was surrounded by good players. We didn't have five- and four-star athletes. Trevor Lawrence had more, you know, of those on his team in high school than, than Justin did. And then he got to high school, and he did have – or college, and he did have those guys. And you saw how well he flourished throwing the ball there. So I think more than anything, it's what he uses to be successful in a game. He – would rather sit back there and throw the ball and never run. That is his mentality. But when it breaks down, he's going to run the ball. So, you know, it's just a lot of people being jealous that they don't have the same ability that he does. Well, that's something that's very great to hear. (laughs) Um, So something you kind of mentioned there, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence and Justin grew up pretty much right by each other, where it sounds like most of their lives. Um, What was their relationship like, if you know of it? And how did Justin handle having such a stud quarterback only miles away from him when he's also such a stud quarterback himself. I think more than anything, Justin's just competitive and that showed in the elite 11 when they went against each other, but, um, MVP though, MVP. Yeah. We never really (laughs) talked a lot about it, but I always knew that, you know, if there's somebody in his neighborhood or in his area, he's going to prove that he's better than them. That's, that's his drive. That's what he does. It's the same reason why he went to Georgia. He wasn't afraid to compete. I just don't feel he was given the opportunity. And that's why he ended up at Ohio state, which was fine with me. Cause I'm a Buckeye anyway. So, <laughs> but you know, there wasn't a lot of talk about it, but I know that when he got the opportunity to go to the elite 11 and compete, that he was going to show him who the best quarterback was. That's awesome. Which you he know? did. And, but he's, <laughs> yeah, he's just not a lot of talk. He's, he's more about, I'm going to go do this. And he's not going to say a lot about it. Yeah. That's just the way he is. Which, And I do love – I love Justin Fields in many aspects. But that I do love. Some people want that guy that's going to trash talk everybody. And we had the Jalen Ramsey here in Jacksonville that called every quarterback trash. And that's just not me. I love Justin. That pr- I love how Justin proves it on the field. But he's also honest. And when you see him in press conferences, when he does something that he didn't like or he felt he made a mistake, he's that first one to say, you know, like – I. 
that's on me. I've got to fix that. This is what I've got to do. And coach, that brings me to on Sunday during the game, I had messaged you because I said, I sent a screenshot of his stats for that game. And I was like, he's just so good. And your reply back was like, yeah, he is, but he's going to be angry at himself after that pick six. And I've seen that from Justin. Yeah. And that's, I've seen very, very hard on himself. Very hard on himself. I've seen it on the sideline, him, you know, sitting on the bench after he throws a pick or if he makes a mistake or whatever. But what I have not seen is him ever let that affect the rest of his game. No, he's pretty good at at, uh, turning it off and moving on, which is hard to get high school kids to do. And he was always good at that. Um, You know, he'd come off if he he rarely made a mistake, but if he did, he'd come off. He already could tell you what he did. And you know, he's good at letting it move on. I think, again, that has to go back to his dad. It's like, you got to move on when you make a mistake. But, yeah, he, he would often, you know, want to take take responsibility. Like, we got beat one time, 45-43, and he's, like, standing up in front of the team. He goes, this one's on me because he had a strip fumble for a touchdown or something. And I said, well, Justin, I, go, <laughs> I appreciate you wanting to do that in front of the whole team. I go, but you didn't give up 43 points. So, yeah. You know, so he's... And that's where we've been recently, allowing teams to average 38 points, and he still puts it on him. Yeah, he will, and that's that's just part of his character, and he probably feels that he needs to carry, you know, everybody, but I was, you know, that point that day, I made it clear that it takes a team to win and lose a game. Yeah, You know, one individual can make some big changes like he did in the game, but... It takes the whole team. You know, the kid, they always say, well, the kicker lost the game. Well, no, the kickers, in my philosophy, is always put and given a chance to win the game because we were unable to do what we needed to do, you know, maybe offensively or defensively. You know, I guess unless you're talking about extra points. But, I mean, field goals, to me, the kicker's given a chance to win the game. He doesn't lose the game for you because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you funny. Know, the way I look at it. It's funny. I don't know if you saw in the press conference after the game, he was saying uh, he promises to never throw a pick six like that ever again. And I'm I'm <laughs> okay if he, I'm okay if he promises or if he never throws a pick six again. I don't know how realistic that's going to be. But, hey, Justin, like, yeah. go for it, man. I'm okay with it. I saw that, too, and I'm like, okay, Justin. That's <laughs> that might that might be you. You will try not to do that, but you know. Yeah, he's. I uh, hope somebody doesn't deflect the ball because it can happen on a deflection. Yeah, yeah. He's saying he's not going to throw it directly to the guy. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. Which and I know Justin's the type of person who will do all he can to avoid that because a few. I want to say four or five weeks ago. I have one more for you, Coach, before we let you go because. But four or five weeks ago, he made a comment. I think it was after Washington, and he was like. We, you know, we keep being close. I'm done with being close. I'm done with being almost there. And since then, Justin uh-huh. Fields has just turned on the Jets and has been one of the most accurate passers in the league, has scored the 13 touchdowns within the, those games, eight of them passing touchdowns, in addition to all of the rushing yards. So it's great. But um, that, that brings it all together with this final question on his leadership. Because obviously, uh-huh. I mean, this kid's 23 years old, and he's walked into this NFL locker room. And we have, it's been, it was almost a 65% turnover on the Bears roster from last year to this year. And so it, it was almost a whole new squad that he was kind of taking over and bringing into his arms. And not only has he put them on his back, many times but just the leadership side of them is that how Justin Fields has been since high school yes and it it got better every year one of the biggest things he did his senior year when he broke his finger again um you know I've 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 coached 
a billion quarterbacks in these 30 some years and he was the only one that broke a finger and he broke twice <laughs> tenth grade and senior year and uh, i thought we could have you know gone pretty far his senior year we went to the third round you know without him but you know he is always you know always just stepped up and i think because of the way he plays and how hard he works people just want to they get you know pulled in and they say, wow, this, this guy's a leader. He's humble, but yet he works hard. But well, he, he's, his, when he broke his finger his senior year, the greatest thing he did is he walked up behind our backup quarterback, Gavin Hall. He sat there and went through the reads with him after he'd throw the ball. And he talked to him after every play, which probably helped us win. I think Gavin went on to win because um, – Justin missed the, I think, the ninth game, the tenth game, and the three playoff games. So Justin really helped get Gavin to calm down, see what we were doing, to just put all the little details in there. So, And also, we had a new receiver. I remember the beginning of the year of his senior year. He would go over there every play and talk to him. So it was great. You know, he was, his leadership was great every year, but it really blossomed you know, going into his senior year. And I remember talking to Coach Day when I went up there to Ohio State, and he just loved how much of a leader Justin was. You know, he said he's such a leader, you know. So I think that over the time, you know, all this hard work and everything he's done, and I think people are just drawn to him by how hard he works, how competitive he is, and how he's, he doesn't point the finger you know, he takes the blame on himself, mm-hmm. you know, more than anything. So, well, coach, I know, yeah, great, um, great leadership. I know I am drawn to Justin Fields. He's been just absolutely incredible and so much fun to watch. So I just wanted to say thank you for joining us, honestly, because it's been so fun to get to know him a little bit beyond the all of the Georgia to Ohio State and then um, the draft day drama. So I just want to say thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I mean, it's always a pleasure to talk about Justin. Yes, thanks so much for coming on. And um, we will talk to you hopefully another time, maybe when he's winning the Super Bowl in a, in a couple years. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I say. I'm more than happy right, to do another 30 care. minutes on Justin, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> All right, thanks, Coach. Have a good okay, one. Okay, sounds good. All, All right, right bye-bye. Bye. All right, well, thanks to Coach Matt Dickman. That was really fun. Um, you could tell he loves Justin Fields. Loves talk about him. <laughs> loves Justin Fields. Lo- some long-winded um, answers there. Yes, which I love it, though. I love... The passion, number one, like like I said earlier in the podcast, he got to watch this kid just go from a sophomore, just really starting to get the stride and figure out football, and then breaks his finger, and then comes in the next year and has the year he has, which let me just tell you what Justin Fields did in high school, for those who don't know. Um, for those of you who, I, I get it, because high school football, most people don't care about unless you're in high school or you are a coach or you work in the industry like we do. Or we you're like a in some of... small town in the South where yeah. the whole town shuts in off Texas, on Friday. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but listen to Justin Fields' numbers. So his junior year, he, like I said, so he sophomore year, he started a little bit, broke his finger, missed the end of the season, missed the playoffs, came back his junior year, played 12 games. In those 12 games, he had 2,770 passing yards, 23 passing touchdowns, six interceptions. And in addition to 1,176 rushing yards and 15 rushing touchdowns. 
Like, do they even need a running back out there too? It's like, just... you, like you just—he's just so dynamic. That is just. He's and great. It's insane. So his senior year, once again, as Coach mentioned, he broke his finger again his senior year. Um, unfortunate for Justin. Uh, but he played seven, only seven games. And seven games his senior year. Justin Fields. Also, let's, he mentioned the completion percentage. So he was at, I think it was 66, his, 66.7 his junior year and 64 completion, completion percent his senior year. But in seven games, he had 1,417 yards, 18 touchdowns, and just two picks. In addition to 920 rushing yards and 13 rushing touchdowns. I mean, it's in his high school career, the guy threw for over 4,000 yards and had, what is the total, 41 touchdowns, eight interceptions, in addition to over 2,000 rushing yards and another 28 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, like, and this is to say, too, like, the school he went to, it is not, like, some prospect factory. Like, it's not no. an IMG where, like, you get kids from all over the country coming to play there and stuff. It is essentially, like, a very regular high school, from yeah. what I understand. and the coach mentioned he didn't have, like, top-tier talent yeah. that he was doing this with. Um, it, It's not, like, Georgia in general, has a lot of athletes and they yeah. push out a lot of people, but it definitely wasn't the school that, like, people go, like, oh, I'm he, moving yeah. to this city to go to. He wasn't Harrison playing Hatton. with other notable recruits. I mean, there might have been some, I don't know the exact roster buildup, but, like, as far as I'm aware, like, there was not any other five stars on that offense, at least. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. So this goes back to high school this kid was doing this. And then, um, really quick, on the high, the college numbers, because you just look and you're like, it's the same. So he did play... And 12 games at Georgia. Um, like I said, I think it was a lot of end of the game. They'd throw him in in certain moments, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But he only had 39 attempts. In the 39 attempts, he completed 69% of his passes for 328 yards and four touchdowns, I'm no also pretty sure most of those came in one game, like all those attempts. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think so too. Because uh, I want to say like one game he had like, I don't remember. I can't remember. It yeah. was like a large number of those yeah. attempts. Um, but then, so he goes to Ohio State in 2019 at... As a sophomore at Ohio State, he played in 14 games. He completed 67% of his passes for 3,273 yards, 41 touchdowns, and that was three the two interceptions. Picks, right? Or three picks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, three interceptions, 41 touchdowns, three interceptions, in addition to 484 rushing yards and another 10 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So 53 total touchdowns and three interceptions he did in his sophomore at Ohio State. Yeah. Um, junior year at Ohio State, only played eight games. Um, but he completed 70% of his passes for 2,100 yards, 22 touchdowns, and six picks, in addition to another 333 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, it's just like one thing after another with him. Um, and the coach very clearly also mentioned, and one of, this is what I liked about this this interview, because when I mentioned about the people criticizing him for the throwing side of things right now. And I love how the coach said, number one, the talent around you makes you who you are. Um, and you can't, this is so true because I think automatically people think that like, well, the great quarterbacks make the weapons around them better. I do think in a certain light that has Justin Fields made Dante Pettis look better certain times of this year? I think so. There's catches that you were like, wow, that was a really good catch. Was it probably because Justin Fields is making things happen and scrambling and getting out of sacks and making plays that probably should have ended 15 seconds before? Yeah. But uh, another thing he said is also healthy weapons. 
And that's an important aspect, I think, of a lot of things. Um, the Bears have been beat up since camp, to be honest with you. I mean, we lost, we've lost Nikhil Harry right away. You lost Byron Pringle right away. They, um, now Khalil Herbert's hurt. The defense, they got rid of everybody, and they've had injuries. Matt Adams is just getting back. Jalen Johnson's been hurt now. Tevin's out now. Tevin's out now. Um, oh, and the, we're not even talking about the offensive line. They lost Doug Kramer in camp. They lost Dozer or whatever that they got from Minnesota, the other offensive lineman in camp. They lost um, Cody Whitehair, got hurt. Schofield's been in and out Schofield's all Schofield's been in and out. Riley Reef, I think, got hurt for a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's just like... Those injuries affect everything because those are who you're you're practicing with, and then now you're changing the lineup again, or now you're working with a different wide receiver, and things are just fluctuating. In addition to the getting sacked over thirty times, and he made the comment this week like his legs hurt. <laughs> He's like, I get it. Yeah, he's been doing everything, and the fact that some people still are like, he's not he's not that good. Like, if you removed, and I said this earlier, if you plucked Justin Fields from this offense right now, we would be scoring maybe 10 points a game, and we wouldn't have a win this season. I can confidently say that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, this offense, it is... I mean, the first four months or first four weeks of the season are all you need to watch. It was painful to watch. My eyes were bleeding watching them try (laughs) and run the ball or throw passes in. Things have just... It's changed dramatically. Off The offense is exciting. It's fun. We're doing cool things, and, like... Once we actually get real weapons in there, I'm so excited for yeah. what we can do because there is not a single person on this team that's a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase yeah. or AJ Brown or whoever elite receiver yeah. you want to put in there. So, well, and that's what I was about to say. What that's what I was talking about earlier yeah. when I was talking about the you these guys. You can say what happened when Tyreek Hill went to Miami. Tua Miami look very good. What happened when the Eagles got AJ Brown? Jalen Hurts and the Eagles look really good. What happened when Buffalo Bills got Stephon Diggs? Josh Allen and the Bills look really good. What happened when the uh, Bengals drafted uh, Joe Burrow's favorite receiver out of college? Yeah, they went to the Super Bowl. What happened when Aaron Rodgers lost Devontae Adams? They, they lost five straight games. Yeah, like it. How much these receivers really help? And you can say everything you want about the quarterback, and quarterback is obviously a huge part of everything because we've had years where we have had no quarterback and we've had weapons, and it's been really frustrating. But it is a combination. There's a reason that there's. 22 guys on the field at one time. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, that was something else that people talk about, too, a lot. Is like, look at the last three Super Bowl winners. The Rams had Cooper Cuck and Odell Beckham. Yeah. The Bucks had... Um, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And Gronkow- Gronkowski. And Gronkowski. The <laughs> Chiefs had tra- Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Yeah. Like, there's gone this narrative out there that, like, paying an elite receiver isn't necessarily the right move because, like, you got to have the quarterback. Mm-hmm. But if you have an elite receiver and the quarterback... You're going to be pretty damn good. And yeah. so, like, getting guys who can catch the ball is so important for this team. Mm-hmm. And I get so frustrated when people we work with here at yeah. 1010XL who are paid to go on the radio and talk about sports come in here and tell me that, like, congrats on finding your running back. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just like, come on, dude. Like, yeah. come on. And I get it with, like, we're talking about one of the guys we work with, Jeff Prosser, who I get they love Trevor Lawrence here, and that is fine. You can love that. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence has been playing good football. Great football? No. His numbers for a second-year quarterback are nowhere near what Lamar Jackson's were his second year. They were nowhere near what um, Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen took about three years, so that one is probably a little more. But I know for a fact it wasn't like Lamar Jackson-level numbers. Um, there's a few quarterbacks that in their second year, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence doesn't have those numbers. Trevor Lawrence is also improving game to game, 
but they're also just so different. So I hate comparing that also. And they that. spent so much money in the offseason, like $170 million or something like that on an offensive line and on off- offensive weapons and a defensive line. And they're not better than the Bears. We had the same record. Yeah, the they're not better. The exact same record. And they had a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Two. The first overall pick. <laughs> yeah, the first overall pick. And they traded up to get Devin Lloyd in the first round. So who's yeah. literally trash right now. I think we're just venting a little bit of our Jags yeah, frustration sorry, here. Because we have to hear this all the time. Yeah. But I, it is frustrating because also these people say in the morning, Google.com, what was the bear score? Click box score. Oh, Justin Fields only threw 447 yards. Did you watch the game? It's just, and like, it's like, how can you watch that pass to Cole Komet? Like on a dime yeah. and be like, this guy can't throw the ball. Ugh. He's not like it's not like Mac Jones out there or yeah. like any like Kenny Pickett even like that guy like he's got an arm on him but like he'll just throw it like all the way he'll try to throw it to the right hash and throw it to the left yeah like he's that inaccurate with some people yeah and watch Justin's got such natural talent when it comes to throwing the ball that I just don't like it's not like you have to plan not to throw the ball like yeah. there are guys like Lamar Jackson to where like I think he can throw the ball yeah I don't think he's elite at it. Yeah. I don't think he'll ever be elite at it, mm-hmm. but I think you can plan around that. Yeah. I think Justin can be an elite passer and an elite runner, which mm-hmm. is why I'm so excited about him as a quarterback. Yeah. And that's what the Coach Dickman said. He was like, you, it's really hard to find people who are good at passing and good at throwing, and Justin Fields is one of those people. So thank you, Coach Dickman, who is an actual football coach and has worked with him and seen him up close and personal and says that he has the ability to do it. There's just obviously things surrounding the Chicago Bears that are making that a little difficult on him right now, and hopefully those things will be fixed this offseason. Let's talk a little bit before we go um, about the game this weekend. We have the Falcons. The Falcons are not a great football team at all. Um, they have things. They have Kyle Pitts, who they don't use nearly enough. Um, they have Cordero Patterson. They have Drake London. Drake London. Um, I don't know much about their defense, honestly, whatsoever. They're not. Um, just a little. I know they traded away one of their better defenders to the Browns this past offseason. So, or not offseason, during the season, actually. So They've allowed the most passing yards in the league um, with... Let me see, make sure. 2,801 passing yards and 15 touchdowns they've allowed through the air. Um, So this is, I feel like, a game that Justin really could have the opportunity to air it out a little bit. Um, Are they sticking with Mariota for sure this week? I don't know, honestly. I haven't heard otherwise, but... I'd, people are shouting for Ritter. For Ritter, yeah. I mean, like their offense can be scary with the off well, with the weapons they have, and it yeah. really wouldn't shock me if it ends up being a shootout. But like at the same time, like sometimes they just can't score either. So, yeah, I don't know really. Yeah, and so when you look at like rushing wise, obviously the Bears' strong point is the run game, but Khalil Herbert's hurt, so that's going to be a lot on Justin, a lot on Monty, and we'll probably see a lot more, some more Tristan Ebner. Um, I love Montgomery. I'm not. Take, saying we're taking a step back because I think Montgomery, number one, when you look at his yards after catch, he is insane against comparable to almost everybody else other than Derrick Henry in the league right now. And maybe there was one other, Damian Pierce. Damian mm-hmm. Pierce, Derrick Henry. He's having a great year. And, yeah. And uh, James, uh, James and David Montgomery are the ones that are all very comparable. David Montgomery hasn't had the workload that the other two because they've spent split so much with Khalil and Justin. Um, I like made a joke on Twitter when they announced Khalil Herbert. And I was like, good thing we have two more running backs in Montgomery and Justin Honestly, Fields. The funny thing is I kind of thought the same thing. Yeah. I was just like, oh, everyone's <laughs> making this joke, but hey, we're good. We got we got three of them. Yeah. Now we only got two. So, but. but yeah, and the Falcons, their run defense is middle of the pack. They're not good. They're not bad. Um, but that's why I think it's a good opportunity for Justin. When you're facing a team who has allowed the most passing yards in the league, you've got to take advantage of that. Um 
Want to something, something, something I wanted to say extra quick. I think this is a little bit of extra motivation for Justin to do this game. People forget the Falcons took a tight end. Yeah. Over, over Justin, Justin Fields. Fields yeah. Who is from Georgia. Yeah. And had the chance to play for his hometown team. And they're just like, nah, let's get this tight end. <laughs> like, come on, dude. And like that, that probably pissed him the hell off. Like, oh, you see how sure. mad he looked on draft night? Oh, my God. So like this is well, a game. Coach Dickman said he was not very happy. Exactly. And like that's another thing, too, that's so funny when he's mentioning that. Because like people are just like, he's so pissed the Bears drafted him. He's yeah. like, no, he's pissed he fell to 11 when they yeah. could draft him. He's so. pissed that because all of a sudden, like, people dropped. He had epilepsy. And yeah, exactly. somehow that took away from his yeah. quarterback playing ability when he just worked his butt off at Ohio State. And not to mention, like, he's probably going to have a ton of family there. Like, this is a game that I think he's going to play really well in. And he's going to want to play really well in too and show out yeah i agree i think that um it's going to be interesting like i i just don't have confidence this year that we can really win games um but like that doesn't matter and not on right justin now. like yeah. not on justin fields on a lot of other factors um big time the defense right now and we still have some injuries going on kendall vildor is still hurt tevin jenkins is still hurt cole Komet showed up on the injury report this week um that's not good uh, hopefully we see some more Chase Claypool. I feel like week one, I get it. He only practiced a couple days. Week two, you still only had maybe seven days of practice. But now you've had two and a half weeks to get Claypool. At least a little bit more than what we've seen. So I'd really like to see that. Um, obviously, we're going to see a whole lot of David Montgomery this weekend. Justin Fields, like I said earlier, made the comment that his legs were hurting because he was – is not a running back for the people out there. And so he's not used to running the amount that he's had to run these last three weeks. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that drop down a little this week, not seeing another 140, 170 rushing game. Um, maybe if it was more 70, 80 yards this week, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot more reasonable for them. I mean, at this point for me, when it comes to wins and losses, I'd prefer losing from being 100% honest. Mm -hmm. I really do think the draft pick is yeah. so important for us. But at the same time, I never want Justin to be the reason we lose. Yeah. So, like for example, let's say we were at a, like we were in the the Miami game. If Justin throws a pick there instead of EQ dropping it, yeah, then I'm pissed. But yeah, he dropped it. He's not got a guy that's a future yeah. part of the team. I'm okay with it. So if we have a situation where like it's pretty similar to the last couple of weeks, and Justin plays really well, and we just barely lose, like that's kind of the perfect situation for me. Yeah. And like I know it's. There are so many Bears fans out there that hear when you say, like, you want the Bears to lose? I like, how can you like how can you want your favorite team to lose? It's I just guess. like, well, I'm not short-sighted. Yeah. This team is more than this weekend. It's yeah. the rest of my life. Yeah. And, like, I want them to be good. And I get it sucks. Like, it still hurts every weekend. Yeah. Like, when that score was final and it was 31-30, I literally was like. <sighs> I was still cheering for the Bears to win. Like, too. like yeah. yeah. And like, it, I'm not in the games like, don't score. Like, yeah, what like, are you doing? Yeah. Like, but also, I do think some people who maybe don't, like, have to talk about them for a podcast or work in sports or really like in depth follow the bears don't understand how much the placement of how many how much you win affects the draft like we we know we know yeah. all the details of where your draft pick lands when you end the season like we're already looking at like we can look at mock drafts right we could now. Probably, like we could probably assume we're gonna have a top ten pick. Yeah, and so we think that way. I get a normal fan not thinking that yeah. way. A normal fan doesn't care about the NFL draft. A normal fan cares about the Chicago Bears winning finally. Yeah, and like I think something else too is like the NFL doesn't like. It seems like every other major sports league at this point has moved to the draft lottery mm -hmm. side of picking out their draft order. The NFL is still very much like the worst team picks first, yeah. and it just goes down from there. Yeah, and that means that every single loss means something yeah. and like yes obviously like if it still means something if you're in the nba but like 
you still have a percentage chance of getting the first pick, even if you have a decent season. Yeah. But for the Bears, it's just it's like not. all they have to do is yeah. lose in order to get a better pick. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, I think that we know that everybody knows that. And at the end of the year, when you take a breath and you see that we have whatever pick five, pick six, and you're like, okay, who's going around this time? Oh, we could get so and so. And we'll start talking a lot of draft probably within the next month. Um, and start mentioning names of who we'd like at that spot or once we start finalizing where that spot could really potentially be because there's a lot of crappy teams in the NFC right now. Um, Packers. Yeah. <laughs> um, which they play tonight, and they play the Titans tonight, which sucks because I also gonna, hate the Titans it's gonna be being just here. But offensive, like, terrible. Oh, my gosh. Ugh, yeah. Terrible. The Thursday night game, so bad. Yeah, and people are saying, this is finally we have a good Thursday night game. I'm like, have you guys watched the Packers not this year? None of these teams can score. And they're like, well, they beat – the Cowboys last week, and I'm like, because because Mike McCarthy, yeah, because Mike McCarthy, and because Aaron Rodgers isn't gonna lose six straight, yeah, like we know that the worst players in the league don't win lose six straight, like that usually does not happen. But anyways, um, I I don't know, it yeah, I, it's just not a good co- matchup, and other people I guess see Packers Titans and they see two playoff teams, yeah, yeah, weird to me, whatever. But anyways, that's making monsters. We finally got to talk about our guy Justin Fields. And it's really fun to watch him right now. And I hope that continues. And I hope that this weekend we just see more progress and more good things come out. And we avoid injuries because that's the main thing that we have to try to start probably thinking about is protecting him also. Would you, if Justin, I'm trying to hear how I want to phrase this. Would you be mad if they sit him for like the last two weeks of the season? I don't think so. I, I think that I wouldn't even be mad if, like, at this point, we're two weeks into a bye. We have a week 14 bye, which is so late. We have the Falcons who suck. We have the Jets who, uh, like, they're somehow winning games, but they're not a great football team, and Zach Wilson's not great. I wouldn't even be personally mad if we saw some Trevor Simeon mixed in here and there to see let Justin Fields get some rest and not get totally worn out. Like, he just physically told you he's, like, yeah. He's sore and he's hurting and he's tired. I think I'd have to agree with you too. And like I do think for a lot of Bears fans, especially you and I, this season was is Justin the guy season. This is he has to answer the question for us or at least give us some encouraging signs. And I think he's blown away a lot of the encouraging signs to where it's like it's pointing towards like, hey, like he's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be a lot easier for me to be like, we don't need him to get hit eight times this game. Yeah. Maybe he just sits this week. You yeah. Know? So yeah. And I don't think um, it's gonna happen, but yeah, I'm just saying I don't if it could. And I, I also wouldn't be mad if we saw him every rest of the game, as long as he's not getting hurt. But um we have seen the the sacks decrease, but we also have teams like Philly and Buffalo coming up that are very good defenses. And like not to mention like the sacks are decreasing, but like when you're running that much, like yeah. you can't always slide. No. He's taking those hits. Oh, so yeah. he's getting hit a lot. Um, All right, that was Making Monsters, Justin Fields' episode. We will talk to you guys next week. I don't know what it's going to look like because next week is Thanksgiving, but we'll figure that out, um, and we'll be recapping a Atlanta game and previewing the final Justin Fields v. 2021 draft quarterbacks when he faces Zach Wilson. If he can beat Zach Wilson, he'll be all of them so far other than Trevor Lawrence because he hasn't faced him. Um, So that'll be... We don't play on Thanksgiving this year, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think, think so. we're Saturday. Yes. I don't know. We're that weekend, yeah. but we'd play Christmas Eve against the Bills. That's going. <gasps> That's going to be fun. It's going to be a long day. All right. Well, we will chat with you guys later. And thanks for listening. See you then. <laughs>